Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know him. It's unfortunate. He's Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix. Podcast Go. And this is the Crossover NBA Show. This guy is a freaking joke. Hey, hey, hey. He's here to break down the league. Nah, he's inaccurate. That's probably true. That's fair. But make a game of it. Just take a drink every time Mannix says... I was dead wrong. See? I'm solving problems. Now here's your host. These guys are going to run me into the ground. Chris Chris Mannix. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Crossover NBA Podcast, the first podcast we have recorded in the new world where NBA basketball has you know come to a halt along with all the other sports going on in the world. The NBA just this past week choosing to suspend its season in the aftermath of a positive uh, coronavirus test for Jazz Center Rudy Gobert. In the aftermath of that positive test, we found out that Gobert's teammate, Donovan Mitchell, uh, he tested positive for coronavirus. In the aftermath of that, we learned that Christian Wood, the uh, forward for the Detroit Pistons, he tested positive as well. So three known cases of coronavirus in the NBA, which has uh, grinded the NBA to a halt, the sports world to a halt as well. And there's not a lot of information that we have right now. I'm going to try to get you some more information on how this virus pertains to the NBA. Just a couple of minutes, I'll be joined by Dr. Celine Gounder, who's an expert in infectious diseases. You've probably seen her on CNN in the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, She's a very, very bright person when it comes to this field. And uh, she'll try to enlighten us on everything kind of that has to do with uh, the NBA and the coronavirus. But this is uh, a challenging time. I mean, from a basketball perspective, I don't know where we go from here. I can tell you from talking to a variety of league sources in the last couple of days, uh, there is certainly hope 
that the NBA season can be salvaged. Uh, the NBA certainly is bracing for the possibility of playing in the summertime. That has emerged as the best-case scenario starting the season sometime mid-June, ending the season sometime in August. Uh, but nobody really knows at this point. We're sort of in this uh, area uh, era of uncertainty when it comes to the NBA, and we don't really know when the league will get started again. We know a little bit about the timeline, right? We know that over the next eight weeks, we are definitely not going to see NBA basketball. The CDC has declared that no crowds greater than 50 can be uh, convened. That effectively takes all NBA basketball off the table, even if you consider the possibility that they might play in empty arenas. There's no way you can get to under 50 with everything that goes into the production of an NBA game that's put on television, which is the only reason you'd bring NBA basketball uh, back into the mix. So we are at least at mid-May, and then I guess we're kind of in a wait-and-see period. I know there's a lot of people in the league office that would love to get or at least salvage some form of the regular season. I would imagine when the league does come back, they're going to need to have some form of a mini training camp. You can't just take these athletes who the NBA officially told can go home uh, and away from their home markets. You can't take these athletes and bring them right back into a playoff race. You probably have to have some kind of uh, training camp, short regular season. If nothing else, you can have the teams that are competing for playoff seeding, even the playoffs themselves, start to go at it a little bit towards uh, the very end. So that's something to keep your eye on uh, as well. Now, one thing I am curious about, and I'm going to write a little bit about this, I think, towards the end of the week. In some ways, if the NBA can come back, this is an opportunity, I think, for the league to collect some pretty valuable data. Steve Coonan, who's an executive with the Atlanta Hawks, he has suggested uh, the idea of starting the NBA season around Christmas time. Now, that season starting then would extend the league all the way into June, playoffs in the summertime, and for years that was kind of viewed as a terrible idea, largely because television networks wouldn't want NBA basketball played deep in the summertime. The thinking being, well, summer months, people don't stay home as much, uh, you're not going to get good ratings, they'll take a hit, and networks clearly don't want to do that. You know, I I've talked to a number of different television executives who really don't buy that theory, who think that... Viewing habits have evolved so much in recent years that you will see uh, people staying home and watching games, but the ratings won't take a hit. So if the NBA comes back, and if the ratings don't take a hit, that might be just kind of the push the NBA needs to change their schedule radically, to go full-time Christmas Day start, June finish, playoffs over the summertime, because there's plenty of arguments for playing playoff games in the summertime, right? There's no competition, all you have is baseball and regular season baseball. I don't know if many of you have watched regular season baseball. It's pretty fucking boring is what it is. So I, I think that's a good opportunity for the NBA to uh, to seize control of summer months when they're not competing with football, when they're not competing with college basketball, when they're not competing with the NHL. They would have the summer to themselves with baseball serving as the only competition. So I'd be very interested to see if the NBA can come back if they can, if the data shows that the viewership is up and maybe it opens the door for summer basketball to become a full-time thing. I'm actually all for it on a personal level. I know there's some people out there, and I've talked to many of you, that are not fans of playing basketball in the summer, of being in the gym in the summer. A lot of people want their summer vacation. I get all that. But I think it's 
pretty cool to have NBA basketball be the only thing on the landscape. And on a personal level, I really don't mind having like September and October off. I'm, I'm good with that. I'll go to BC football games if that's what it takes. So I'm good with the idea of uh, starting the season around Christmas. I think it'd be better for ratings. I think it'd be better for everybody involved if that's the way uh, you go. Uh, a couple of basketball things. You know, we're not at that point yet, but if the NBA comes back, I'm very curious to see how it affects players, right? You have, say, like the Philadelphia 76ers, for example. The 76ers who have struggled all season long, it seemed like their entire year was headed down the drain with the injury to Ben Simmons. Joel Embiid's been banged up. What happens if you give that team a month, two months off, injuries heal, and they all come back, and maybe the chemistry gets a little bit better with some little time to reflect? Is that a team that could still put it together and make a run? How about in the Western Conference? The Lakers, when this whole thing shut down, they were playing their best basketball of the season. They were coming off wins over the Bucks, over the Clippers. They looked like world beaters when the game came to a stop. Are they able to regain all that momentum? Can LeBron James at 35 years old, here we go questioning LeBron James again, can LeBron at 35 years old rev up that engine one more time for a playoff run? I think these are reasonable basketball questions that I'm sure we're going to ask in the next couple of months if this uh, coronavirus epidemic slowly starts to uh, recede uh, somewhat. One other thing specific to the Jazz and to Rudy Gobert and to Donovan Mitchell, I reported on Friday that Mitchell was extremely frustrated with uh, with Gobert and with, uh, with the situation in Utah, feeling... You know, and I'm, I didn't write this at the time, but you know, look, if you're Donovan Mitchell, Gobert tests positive. Gobert was, by his own admission, reckless inside that locker room, careless with how he behaved and and how he treated the whole notion of the coronavirus. Donovan Mitchell went on Good Morning America, and in response to a question about whether he's talked to Rudy Gobert, he said this. Um, to be honest with you, Robin, you know, it took a while, you know, for me to kind of cool off you know and I, I i read what he said and i heard what he said so you know i'm glad he's doing okay i'm glad i'm i'm doing well um i'm just really happy to be honest robin that it's just you know i hate to say there's two of us but like it wasn't the whole party you know at the end of the day now mitchell didn't say he was upset with gobert but i interpreted that as basically confirmation for everything that i wrote about the uh, relationship between the two and one thing to watch moving forward is can that relationship be salvaged these are two key players on one of the better young teams in basketball. Gobert, Mitchell, Joe Ingles, these are high, These are good players, the core members of this team. Mike Conley's in that mix. Uh, Royce O'Neal, a lot of good players in that Jazz team. They have underachieved this year, uh, dealt with a variety of problems. Mike Conley's chemistry, Mike Conley's injuries, a whole lot of stuff that has to do with Mike Conley. But what Bears watching this season and beyond is just how upset Donovan Mitchell is. I mean, he's a great guy. For people that know him, he's a terrific person, terrific teammate. Uh, I can certainly see him getting past this, but as you heard him say, he needed some time to kind of cool the Jets a little bit and get over some stuff, and that's something that certainly uh, bears watching. For now, though, don't even think about the NBA coming back anytime soon. The NBA is in a holding pattern. The NBA is only going to come back when medical experts tell them it is safe to come back. They're not going to rush this thing back if for no other reason, they would take a huge PR hit if they ultimately tried to. So the NBA is going to be on ice probably until June at the earliest. So uh, hunker down, watch some old highlights, watch some old videos. I saw a lot of players out there on social media talking about how they're watching their old YouTube videos. I'm watching a lot of players right now. If you haven't seen the video of John Morant uh, 
doing a self-introduction at his home wearing a full jersey. I recommend uh, going and find it. But these guys are going a little stir-crazy, getting a little hay fever uh, being at home uh, this often. So they'll, this is going to go on for the foreseeable future. We're just going to have to get used to life without sports and without NBA basketball. All right, when we come back, uh, my conversation with Dr. Celine Gounder, who is an expert in this field, she'll enlighten us on what this uh, disease means for the NBA what it means for sports, her reaction to how the NBA and sports leagues uh, handled this whole situation. We talked to Dr. Celine Gounder when we come back. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Dr. Celine Gounder is an infectious disease specialist. You can see her on as a CNN contributor, host of the Epidemic Podcast, and she's also become a friend of the SI Podcast Network as we try to navigate all the news coming out about the coronavirus, and she's kind enough to join me on this podcast. Dr. Gounder, thanks for joining me. Um, so I guess first off, I want to get into a lot of basketball specific stuff, but, uh, we're recording this in the wake of the white house holding what I thought was one of the more, I guess, ominous press conferences in recent weeks where it seemed like everyone, uh, including the president was taking the coronavirus, uh, very seriously. Let me ask you first, uh, what were your takeaways from the press conference? 
Well, I, I think the tone was quite sober, but I think it was right on point. Uh, Tony Fauci, as, as usual, has, uh, you know, been able to be very level-headed about how serious the situation is, but at the same time, you know, not uh, inducing panic. And I think that's really important. I think, you know, another important message is that we, yes, we have uh, not been as proactive as we could have been. We could have moved more quickly, but we still are at this tipping point right now where things could head the direction of South Korea or they could head the direction of Italy. And what we do today, what we did yesterday, what we would do tomorrow will really determine the course of that. So I would really caution against being overly cynical and overly pessimistic because that also leads to resignation and, and not trying as hard as we should. This is really our last chance and we, and we really need to be focused on that right now. So the NBA was the first of the major sports leagues to suspend play based entirely on the fact that they had the first player in the four major sports leagues uh, to test positive in Rudy Gobert. Um, just, just watching from afar, what have you made of the NBA's response, and I guess the response of sports leagues in general? I think in general they've done the, the right thing. Um, I, I think that by saying, you know what, it's, it's not safe to play, even without fans in the stadium, um, is the right thing, not just for their fans, but for their own players and, and their families. And I think really understanding that we all need to be part of this social distancing thing um, or it won't work. You know, as long as you have an exception for this and an exception for that, there are too many loopholes. There's too many holes in the system and it's just not going to function. You mentioned that you used the word proactive early on and you followed this outbreak from the very beginning. Should sports leagues have been more proactive and I guess not waited for a positive test for one of the players to do what they did? You know, that's hard to say. Um, and I think part of the problem is there's been a vacuum of leadership um, for others to follow. I don't think this is something that you can expect sports leagues to figure out all on their own. And I think, you know, part of what's happened is they have been looking to others, you know, what are our colleagues doing? What are others in other, uh, you know, fields of business doing? And in the absence of really clear leadership from the top, um, you know, I think that that created some issues. Um, Donovan Mitchell from the Utah Jazz, he was he was on Good Morning America this week where he said he feels fine and he always feels fine. I mean, he, he was ready to play the night the NBA kind of stood still. Uh, and Mitchell is a guy who plays a lot of minutes. You can play you can play six degrees of separation with Mitchell's team, the Utah Jazz, from teams that they played to playing teams that they played. NBA players, they travel a lot of places. They stay in a lot of hotels. They ride a lot of buses. They eat a lot of restaurants. I know testing is limited, but do you think that all NBA players should be tested, given what we know about the fact that three of them have tested positive? I think we're really focusing our testing efforts on contacts, so one degree of separation away from a case. So somebody who's been directly in contact, not contacts of contacts of contacts. There, you know, I, I think at that point you're you're really you're not allocating the few tests that we have available still right now to the right people, and you know the risk is still fairly low. So sort of like um, we sort of changed our perspective with the president's own exposure. Uh, the original exposures at CPAC were a couple degrees of separation away, did not warrant testing. And then later he was known to have direct contacts. And I'm not sure if that's what spurred the decision, but he was tested at that point, which was the right thing to do. Um, so especially in the absence of symptoms, you really don't want to be testing people, at least at this stage, unless they have a known contact. 
There's been some criticism of NBA and NBA players of getting so many tests, right? The Utah Jazz, they got 58 tests in a short period of time. And, I, and there's been a lot of stuff on whether it's social media or elsewhere where people saying, how come they got all these tests? Why, you know, why are they first in line? What's your reaction to that? I do have some concerns. I don't know if you heard the conversation today about um, access to ventilators and, and governors speaking with the president about, you know, what's going to be the system for that. And essentially, it sounds like it's something of a free for all. Um, I think when you do not, um, again, provide leadership, when you don't say, OK, here are the criteria. Uh, this is how we're going to prioritize these people for these reasons, for, you know, and hopefully those would be scientifically based reasons, then you do end up with these kinds of situations where the highest bidder, the person who can pay the most, uh, you know, is able to get an advantage. What do you think? I, I guess what, from what I understand, the Oklahoma state health officials took the lead on, on the jazz testing and, and their explanation was we had to find out how many players were infected. And then we basically had to backtrace uh, their movements, they, them being the first positive test case in Oklahoma City. What do you think of that response? Well, I, I mean, the normal thing would be to do contact tracing, uh, but then in terms of how to allocate the tests, you know, to really focus those tests on, again, the direct contacts of the diagnosed cases, that would be the standard of care in this situation. So I know this is really hard to map out, but the obvious question that NBA fans, sports fans get are, you know, when can they play? When is it is it going to be safe? I know it's a broad question, but where do you think we're headed in the next two months? I think things, as Dr. Fauci himself has said, will get worse before they get better. And I think a lot depends on all of us as to how we rally and band together and do what we need to do, not just to protect ourselves, but to protect each other. And that's really what will determine when players go back to play, when the economy starts to pick up again. It's really about what we decide to do. You know, the NBA before the Rudy Gobert test was, you know, leaning towards a situation where they would play in empty arenas. And that was kind of the most favored approach by a lot of the the NBA owners. Um, under what circumstances would you see that as being acceptable? Well, if you can guarantee that everybody on the team essentially functions as their own quarantine unit, you could say, their social distancing unit, you know, today they were talking about um, units of 10, which I kind of think of as maybe a family and some extended relatives or, you know, some really close friends and that no one goes in or out of that bubble, that circle of trust, so to speak. <laughs> um, and if you can guarantee that, you know, then I think that would be feasible. The problem is you're going to have people who, I don't know, they're dating somebody new or they are going out to eat or getting takeout or the housekeeper who comes into their room to clean or, you know, there's going to, there's just, especially with a team that size, there's too many opportunities for there to be a breach in that bubble. Yeah. So, I mean, do you think that we're, you know, when you look at sports leagues like the NBA and the NHL, which are suspending up until this point, I mean, as you look ahead, do you think there's any chance they'll be able to resume seasons? Yeah, I, I hesitate to prognosticate on that one because, it's mm -hmm. you know, I think some of the decision making is not just going to be about um, risk of transmission. I think some of it will be about, you know, economic decisions, financial decisions, uh, pressure from fans and, and so on. And, you know, time will tell. And if that happens, we'll all, it'll also be interesting to see, you know, how that does play out, how teams decide to control risk and if they do have any further cases, uh, depending on what they do. 
Yeah, I mean, I would imagine that, I mean, from an NBA perspective, like the worst case scenario would probably be you come back after two and a half months and another player tests positive, which I would assume is, you know, given the way it's trending is not, wouldn't be a complete shock. Right. I mean, that that's what I would expect would happen. Um, mm-hmm. And then that would sort of reinforce that it's too soon. Mm. Do you feel like we're, you know, and, and again, these are tough questions to answer given what we don't know, but large crowds gathering again, I know at this point we're down to what 50 and even 10 um, in what the CDC is recommending, but are, are we a, even, you know, the two months that they recommended uh, under 50, are we, and even how far off are we, do you think, from being able to allow large crowds or be feel safe with large crowds again? Well, I think some of that depends inside versus outside for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, even outside, if you're close enough that you're having contact with other people directly, if you're within uh, six feet of each other, if you're touching things in common, maybe it's the bleachers, maybe it's, uh, you know, water fountain, whatever it is, you know, the bathroom, um, that still is a, a risk factor for, for transmission. Hmm. The, the last thing I want to ask you about is, you know, in just a general way, the best advice you would have for people that are listening and what they can do to slow the spread of this virus. Yeah, I would say keep calm. Number one, um, this is not the end of the world. This is something that is manageable, but we all have to really commit to doing that together. Um, and I think, you know, being forced to stay home with friends and family, or hopefully it's real, actually just your family, but, um, <laughs> you know, I think that's not a, a the worst thing to sort of reevaluate in other ways how fortunate we are. And I, I do recognize that that the the impact of staying home and so on when I can still work and, and my husband can still work despite that is, is a very different one. Um, but I think it's really important to also be looking out for those of us who for whom that's harder um, in every way that we can. Does it surprise you, kind of given all the information that, that we have, that we're still seeing large gatherings, whether it's at beaches or even nightclubs in certain places? It surprises me, um, and it deeply concerns me, um, because it's not just, again, about protecting ourselves. It's about protecting all of us. And if you contribute to transmission, even if you don't get really sick, you're still part of that chain and you're still part of that fire that's burning through everybody else. And you know, that that's going to be very harmful. Yeah. I wonder too, if NBA players could even be an inspiration to some people. I mean, Donovan Mitchell is, you know, he, I think he said uh, this week that he could have played, he's ready to play a seven game basketball series right now. So it kind of shows that, uh, you know, symptoms are certainly not part of contracting this disease. I think that's a great point. And it's a great way to show, you know, they're caring for their own fans, um, you know, whether you're a basketball player or a politician, I think to sort of stand alongside the rest of us who are doing this is is really important. And that's a great show of leadership. Yeah, no question. Uh, Dr. Gounder, I really appreciate you taking uh, the time to join me here as we, and we as NBA fans kind of search for answers as everybody's sort of anxious to know what's next in the, the sports world. Thank you very much for your time. Oh, my pleasure. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. 
Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddy? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.